0: Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman & Associates. Now here's Connie.
1: Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thanks for joining me uh, every week. I really do appreciate that. And today we are going to talk, or the topic for today is straight talk about credit and personal finances. And my guest today is Kim Montgomery. She's CEO of All Credit Resources, ACR, uh, short, she she has the acronym ACR in New York. And the overall objective of today's show is to discuss and introduce realistic financial skills um, with the end goal of long-term growth and improvement in overall financial stability. Um, We're also going to discuss solution-focused financial counseling information that encompasses the relationship to budget, that's a big one, Uh, credit and debt related matters plus money management and um, budgeting tips. I'm really excited that Kim is going to go over some budgeting tips because I think we all have, especially at the beginning of the year, the first of the year, we start with great intentions to balance our budget. And I think we all sometimes fall short for things that we want to purchase. So with that said, during the discussion, um, Kim and I are going to discuss needs versus wants. That's that's a big thing to define, and you need to know that or understand that to take charge of your finances. Importance of credit history and credit score, establishing and maintaining good credit, and considering your financial future as someone you love, um, a few simple tips. Now, before I, I introduce Kim, I just wanted to give some of her background and then share why. I think this is such a relevant topic to today, and I hope it it resonates with you guys. Um, Kimberly uh, Montgomery is CEO, like I said, of All Credit Resources, ACR. It's a New York-based credit consulting firm assisting and educating both consumers and business clients in understanding and resolving all types of credit-related issues. Kim has 20 combined years of experience in the financial industry, including 10 years on Wall Street as an investment banker working in public finance. She is also licensed as a mortgage originator, and she teaches financial literacy and credit education to diverse groups from youth to business entities. So before I introduce Kim and we start our discussion, I just wanted to share why I thought this was just such an important topic. Uh, A friend of mine actually referred uh, Kim to me thinking that she would be an awesome guest to have on the show because of her background and the topic of just that whole um, credit budget, that that whole realm. Now, I have a senior in high school, and we just, he he works, and we were going to get direct deposit in the savings account, we went over the checking account. Now I took the time, of course, to teach him all about the checking account, debit card, online banking, what that meant if he used a debit card, of course it's not a credit card, and I, I gave him some education. The other flip side, which he knew most of, because in the Holmesville School District, and I don't know if this is true in most of the other districts out there, when you become a freshman in the high school, you have to take an elective called financial literacy. And they cover everything from checking accounts to budgets. Um, they do mutual fund, stocks, bonds, and they actually give them $100,000. And through the semester, they have to invest that in different stocks and bonds. And the person who ends up with the highest value in that portfolio, you know, gets so many points on the, on the final exam, et cetera. So it's a very hands-on class, but it's very educational. And I think in the state of New Jersey, at least, it's a mandatory class. I think it should be mandatory for all young adults to start to understand how to become fiscally responsible. So, again, because of my my kids and trying to make them fiscally responsible, plus the country being so debt-driven and purchasing more on credit than paying cash like my mom and dad did, you know, a bazillion years ago. So having Kim on today I just think is such a relevant topic, and I hope you find it as um, helpful. Here's the other thing. I recommend you get a paper and pen out. Um, Kim's going to share some real life examples of how you can manage a budget, the difference between, you know, the credit history and the credit score and how to maintain a good credit uh, score and all of those kinds of things. So please take notes because I do think, think you'll find it extremely valuable and information driven. So based on my awesome introduction, I now welcome uh, Kim uh, to, the, to the platform and I really hope she's as excited as I am. So hey, Kim. Hey Connie, how
2: are you today?
1: I'm doing I great. I am good. Yes, a little little they they all know the listeners all know I'm tech not. So I had a little technical diff- difficulty getting on today and Kim was very patient and talked me through it. So thank you for <laughs> No for being problem. No problem. Okay. So I I hope I I did a good job with that introduction. Because I just think it's a very relevant topic. You know, based on your experience, what do you think? Well, I think that what we have when we
2: talk about financial education is what I like to say financial knowledge. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people simply don't have it when they are doing things with regard to financial behavior. And that's really what, for me, it comes down to. Giving people knowledge that is realistic, that is honest and straightforward. And even though people, you know, you spoke about your children, you know, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think financial literacy is something they don't do in the schools, and they need to. And I wish I had a dollar for every time a client of mine has said, I wish I knew how important credit and and financial education was, you know, when I was younger. My parents never taught me. I never grew up in a home. I grew up in a house that was cash and carry. So the sort of apex of financial knowledge and financial behavior, I think, is where it is so
1: critically important.
2: So, yes, this is a very important topic.
1: And, and, again, I don't have statistics per se. You may, um, and, again, I'm not going to put you on the spot to say give a statistic, but I would think the, the cost, again, I have a senior, so we're looking at the whole college thing. The cost of college is exponential compared to, you know, 30 years ago when I graduated from college. So these, and, and okay, my parents helped me with my education. Of course I'm going to help my kids. But that's not a given. So if these kids are coming out with, one, $200,000 of debt, especially if they're going on to graduate school or or for PhDs, doctorates and what have you, they're coming out with mortgages and they just about have jobs. Are you seeing that more and more as well?
2: Student loan debt is one of the biggest issues right now that is going on. There are people who I deal with. Um, on a daily basis who are just overwhelmed um, with the student loans. It just I had a client tell me last week, I'm not making, I look good on paper with my master's degree, but I'm barely getting by because my student sure. loans are so expensive yeah. for yeah. me getting that master's degree, and she can barely get by. So, you know, I'm working with her to try to consolidate. She's got 16 separate student loans. Oh. And, um, you know, she said, you know, I, I'm barely getting by, so we've got to do something. And it's dragging her credit down because she's been late. So the student loan thing is, is tremendous. But I do have a stat for you. Oh, I you do. You're so good. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> right, as of this week, American credit card debt has hit an all-time high with many people's household Having an average of $6,802 in credit card debt in one in three Americans has to deal with collection agencies and debts that are more than 180 days past due for credit card balances, delinquent child support, medical bills, and utilities.
1: Wow. And utilities, right, where you you would think you need, you know, heat and you know, stuff like that, that's um, that's sad and mind-blowing. And then your story about the, I'm assuming it's a young lady that you were talking mm-hmm. about? Yes. Yes. And, um, yes. That a master, so here highly educated young lady um, trying to get this job and working and making what seems to be good money, but then when you put it against the debt ratio, it, it gobbles them up. It's tragic. It's just tragic. Um, you know, so... With all of that said, I'd really like to start our discussion, and you and I spoke a little bit last week about that defining the needs versus wants and how a simple thought process can help us um, take charge really over our finances. So can you educate us a little bit on that before we have to take a break? So I think we should get through that topic. Absolutely. First of all, needs are things that you must have.
2: For basic survival, and everybody knows what those are: food, shelter, um, you know, basic needs, clothing, um, you know, items that you must have. And then food, water, right? Food and water, those kinds. Water, shelter, and then lots of things that you desire to have that you think you can't live without, but you actually can. And Mm -hmm. I think that there is again where the sort of X on the map is. You've got to sort of find a place where you can look at those two sort of areas and say, what is it that I can do to make sure that I am living within my means? And when we talk about, you know, credit and and budgeting, there are five, I, I call them the five keys, and one is budgeting. You must have a budget because your budget is going to first and foremost talk about your needs, and those should be at the top of the list. The next thing that's going to sort of tell you whether or not you can afford something that, quote, unquote, may be a want is your cash flow management. How do you manage the money that you get? Again, living within our means. The next one is credit. Credit allows people the avenue to get, quote, unquote, wants, such as a house or a car, or a boat, or, or these other things. So credit allows you to get those things. Mm-hmm. The next one is banking. Do you understand banking? Do you understand how it works? Do you understand interest rates? Do you understand that you must put money in the bank? And then hmm. the last one is savings and investments. Investments and savings is what gets you through long-term and really is the hallmark for your future uh, going forward.
1: And, you know, it's so funny. You and I were chatting last week, and I said, you know, I had to to buy a new car last year, and my son was driving. My car had it. We we buy, we don't ever lease just because my husband and I put too many miles. I'm on the road too much. So we buy. All right. So we went looking for a car, and, and, you know, I made you giggle because, you know, a basic car to get you from point A to point B is certainly all I need. But because I'm in the car so much, and I'm getting older, a little bit of luxury is definitely a nice thing to be able to afford, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. You know, when I was first driving, I had a little Honda Civic. It had, you know, no bells and whistles, no air conditioning. Now I have the heated seats and the cooling seats, which is really nice when you're in the car, you know, 20 hours a week or whatever it is for me. So I could have bought still a nice luxury car. And I had shared with you that, You know, we pay our mortgage. We have money in in retirement. We have money set aside for the kids' education, plus continue to add to that. And I wanted a a convertible for 30 years. And we we finally bit the ball at my husband's. It was like $100 more a month. So on my budget, I could swing that. But again, it, it was... Do I really need, it always goes back for me, do I really need this? And, of course, the answer is absolutely not. But it was a want and that we could justify it after paying the mortgage, the retirement, and the kids' education, et cetera, et cetera, right? Exactly. So it's okay to have the wants. Also, we put a big down payment and all that, but it's okay to have the wants as long as all of your other ducks are in a row. Is that a fair statement?
2: Exactly. It's it's okay to have the wants. But it kind of goes with goal setting. You have to set that goal, and then you've got to make sure you can do it.
1: So if you yes. plan
2: properly, you can.
1: So, And that's why I felt bad for the kids, because their job was to get the education, get good grades, and the job would come is the mantra or the vision, right? Now mm-hmm. they're coming out, and the debt is, because the interest rate is very, I think they just lowered the interest rate, right? right but but it really doesn't matter because the bad
2: part about student loans and the reason why it dogs so many people is that it is perpetual debt you are always from day one going to have it and it's always going to follow you so it it really is a drag on on you and it's
1: always going to be there and you must pay it yeah it's it's compound interest against you in essence right yeah, and and you know for for people that don't have, you know, thirty thousand dollars and that's an inexpensive college a year, right? Thirty grand a year. So you're coming out of undergraduate with one hundred and twenty minimum. You know, I how do you get a job that's paying that to plus again, like you said, live on your own and all of those other things. Um, really, I really do feel sorry for the kids today. Okay, why don't we take a quick break? And then I'd like to talk about the importance of credit history as well as the credit score. I think that makes sense in our discussion, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, awesome. All right, so let's just take a brief break, and then we'll come back and talk about those two pieces of information.
0: Okay. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com.
1: Okay, we're back. We're on with um, Kim Montgomery. Uh, guru, executor, executor or <laughs> I, I extraordinaire. Don't, that was I don't know about word. all extraordinaire that. Extraordinaire about finances. Uh, so the next thing that we sh- we really do need to talk about is the whole credit history as well as the credit score. So, again, can you educate us a little bit on that?
2: Well, first of all, let's talk about the importance of credit. Why do you need credit? And I'm sure there are a lot of people in the listening audience today that can relate to Number one, and number one is credit is useful when you have an emergency. I am sure you and I both have come up with things where we needed to hop on a plane or we needed to do some repair in our home or apartment or, as you said, you you needed a new car or so forth, and you didn't have any credit. What are you going to do in these times? What's going to happen? And unfortunately, a lot of people are having to face that reality. And it is not until they do run up into an emergency that they realize how important it is to have had a good credit uh, rating and a good credit history. Um, Credit at some times, number two, is more convenient than cash, quite frankly. Sure. Uh, It's good to be able to go out and and feel good about having credit and uh, buying things on credit. Um, And then the other thing, in terms of buying things on credit, credit allows you to make large purchases that you're never going to be able to have all the money to to buy, like a home or a car.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: So I, I think that, you know, those are the three biggies in terms of why credit is important. And then there are the four C's of credit. In order to get credit and maintain credit, you've got to have capacity. You've got to have some capital. You've got to have some collateral. And the biggest one of all is you have to have the correct character. And character plays a big role in getting credit. You've got secured credit and then you've got unsecured credit. And I deal with a lot of people who are purchasing properties and they'll say, oh, I've got bad credit. And somewhere in our collective societal psyche, We have decided that if you have bad credit, you are a bad person, and you are a person of not-so-great character. And people are embarrassed by that, and people look look down upon that. But I must say this. In 2014 and going forward, credit does have a bigger impact on people's lives than it did in the past. You have to go through a credit check to get jobs in some uh, situations. Um, I had recently I had a client who was in the military, and he and his wife had purchased a property, and they had kind of gone through some rough times, and they had gotten behind on their mortgage. And the fact that he was late on his mortgage payment, he had to worry about his clearance with the military being disrupted because of that. And we had this whole discussion about it, and I thought, wow, that is really, you know, incredible. And so it's not so much now just forgetting to pay a bill or not paying a bill or whatever. It's now really, really contingent that people focus on just maintaining a positive, focused money management slash credit
1: character. And when, okay, so what, let's talk about that credit score for a minute. Mm -hmm. What is deemed in today's, you know, criteria for purchasing the home, the car, et cetera, what is deemed a good credit score? A good credit score and an optimal credit score for purchasing a property, the minimum is six forty. So the Hmm? that's low, isn't it?
2: Um that's the minimum for like an FHA loan or VA loan. Okay. Um, for a person to be able to qualify a first-time home buyer. The optimal score that you want to have is 7 or higher. The FICO score, which is the Fair Isaac Company credit score, which is sort of the credit score, FICO, ranges from 300 to 850. Okay. There are a lot of people out there that have 850, but not a lot. So the median score for most people, range between 650 and 750. So if you've got a credit score of 700, you're doing very, very well. But unfortunately, a lot of people, because of job loss, the recession, just a lot of factors have dropped to below uh, 650. So you have a lot of people who just don't have very good credit, and not because they're not good people and not because they haven't worked hard and not because they're not solid people, but there's a lot of circumstances that have basically impacted a lot of us in ways that people just just haven't been able to, you know, grasp up until now.
1: And it's true. I have um, a friend of the family, and he was, a, a, like, researched for a pharmacy mm-hmm. and had a great job and, I mean, you know, made a lot of money, lived within his means, you know, didn't buy a mansion, didn't drive fancy cars, the whole thing. Thank God he had a lot of money, you know, socked away for a rainy day because very conservative. And he did. He lost his job. And the whole, that whole research in pharmacy kind of whoosh, collapsed. And he, I want to say he was out of work three years. And what ended up happening, thank God he had put, they went through their savings. You can imagine, you know, having mortgage. They had a daughter, actually two daughters. Mm -hmm. And then um, he started tapping into his 401k. Thank God. I mean, he he got another job. Ultimately, the girls are in college now. But that set him way back. And he was ahead of the game because not only did he have his 401k that he contributed to faithfully, but he also had a savings, like you said, that nest egg for that rainy day, um, you know, for the kids' education and all of that. So thank God he was so disciplined. And yet he was dipping into his 401k. So good people lose jobs. And, you know, it takes it takes time to unravel from that. And, and I'll Absolutely. share with you, my husband, my husband and I you know, were married 20, almost 23 years now. And we were married, we saved one full paycheck for two years, we lived in an apartment so that we could put a nice big down payment on our house, right. So we put the 20%, the whole thing move in one year and I I've always been on commission you know financial sales whatever and he worked for another bank after a year being in the house he got laid off and my commissions because the market crashed um back in the 80s and or early 90s actually and my uh, my income got cut in half so think about it we lost three quarters of our income we were in this it's a, it was a very small house um, we ate a lot of pasta and hot dogs and peanut butter and jelly, and thank God we had credit cards, so we bought food, you know, et cetera. After he got a job within a year, thank God, market turned around, my income went up, but do you know it took us two years to unbury that one year based on the debt that we had, you know, we had taken on just to survive. We didn't lose the house. You know, you, I understand people today how scary it is when you lose a job or you lose that income, someone gets injured. Um, what do you do? What do you do? I mean, how much money is enough in the bank?
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I would say that the, you know, this kind of leads us to credit cards. Yes. And the ongoing ability to borrow money with a credit card household expenses, family expenses, personal expenses. Um, and you have to think in terms of the cost of credit and what, it, what it's going to mean for you. And I think that that is an issue that has gotten a lot of people into some major, major holes in terms of their credit and their credit history. And one thing can set you back tremendously, one missed car payment. Can hit your credit score by 50 to 100 points really it takes you as much as six months to recoup that to wow. miss credit card payments to be over the limit so let's say you've got a thousand dollar limit and your credit card you've maxed it out and it's a hundred and $1, ten dollars a thousand and ten dollars that thousand and ten dollars gets reported on your credit report And so now everybody that looks at your report with that current reporting, they are seeing the the over-the-limit, and that dings your credit. So it's all these little teeny tiny things that people who are just, you know, trying to get by are not really understanding or thinking about. And, you know, they look at their credit report, and they're like, how can my credit score be so low? And that is the reason why. It's just these little tiny things that are happening.
1: And you know these the credit reports, um, that you, I get the email all the time. I, I personally delete them. But what, how frequently should someone, what's a good rule of thumb to kind of get your credit report to see what's going on? I think that a person should look at their credit report at
2: least once a year. Uh, you have three main credit reporting agencies, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, and they all offer credit reports, and you also have annualcreditreport.com, which is a free credit report, and everybody in the United States under federal law is allowed one free credit report per year. With the three credit bureaus, you have to pay a nominal fee to get your credit report, Um, but I suggest that people try to look at their report at least once a year. Also there's another website called www.myfico.com which is the Fair Isaac Company which does the credit scores, the official credit scores and they offer your FICO report which is different. And I want to try to just sort of do a quick uh, sidebar. There are a lot of apps out there, Credit Karma and You know, all these, there's all this stuff out there, Credit Sesame and all these things. And they offer you a credit report. Those are what is known as FACOs. So they're called FACO reports because they're not based on, they're based on arbitrary sort of information. Some of them are very accurate and some of them are really off. And I've had clients who have pulled their own quote unquote credit and then come to me and said, well, here's my credit report. And I say, well, you know, this is not really accurate. And then we pull the official report, and they're kind of, their mind is blown a little bit because they're like, wow, I didn't know all this stuff was on there or I didn't know my score was this. So I had a client that said he had a 650, but he had a lot of debt. And then when we pulled the, the official report, he had a 580, which was the oh, official wow. number. And I said, you know, a lot of people are, you know, these companies are set up to make money. And so I caution people to... You know, not everybody can get their official reports, but mm. I would go to the credit bureaus themselves, and even their credit scores are based on their internal formulas for doing uh, credit scores. The FICO is the official commercial score
1: that everyone uses. Um, so and so, if, somebody's going, so Kim, if somebody's going to purchase a home or buy a car, the FICO score is the one that is the most relevant. Right, and the cycle scores are you have three scores
2: based on each credit bureau and what they report. And when you're going for a house or a car or a major purchase, they are going to look at the median score. So if you have a 680, a 640, and a 650, they're going to look at the 650. That is going to be your median score. So, you know, I've had clients that had a 620 a 580 and a 614 and we they look at the 614 and they need a 620 so we've got to do what we have to do to get them up above the 620 as the median
1: sure it's you know there's so many moving parts to it that you understand why people get confused right as to what is the what are the relevant factors that I'm doing every day that are contributing to the score, right? So I think there's a question right. with that. Plus when you, you, like we said before, you lose a job or you have a dire situation, a medical emergency, you know, medical situation where you're out of work, you know, immediately when your debt goes up, you know, your credit score goes down. It's almost an inverse relationship when you're leveraged too high. So right. um, that balance, right, that balance is, is a really critical thing. Before we go on, I, I want you to, to share with us, I, I think for the last half of the show, some tips, knowing all of that foundational information, what are some tips that people can do, and if you could answer it from young people starting out, what are, like you're, you're working with that young lady to consolidate the debt, um, again, I think it lowers the interest rate overall, plus it gives you a little bit more control, right? But what are some right. of the tips what are some of the tips for someone who maybe has lost a job and now has a job again what should they do to get their credit score raised and then the last one i'd like you to discuss is how can you maintain a if you have a good credit score now what do you need to do to maintain that so okay. does that make sense in that mm-hmm. three kind of pods or categories absolutely okay let me just pause here i want to just share with with everyone you know the show's name is architect of change so in today's conversation if you need to change your credit score your credit history history or change how you're viewing purchases i think kim's information is tremendously valuable to our decision making process To make us even make better choices going forward so I really hope you're seeing the importance of today's um, discussion the the other thing I wanted to share is you know what I'm all about right I'm all about the sales if you want to change your professional or personal life um, you know reach out to me I really want you to understand that Kim has been brought to me by, like, she's a commercial, right, Kim? But Kim has been right? was introduced, I know, was introduced by a friend of mine and, you know, listening to the show, and he was on the show last week, and he thought, oh, my gosh, I think Kim would be such a relevant topic um, so, you know, maybe have her on, and after we spoke, it became a no-brainer that we, we both agreed that it's such an important topic in today's culture and that she had such vital information to share. So please reach out to me either if you need my help, of course, but if you want to share with me, hey, Khan, in the future, can you talk about... You know what? I'll find someone, even if I'm not the expert, I will find someone who can come on and talk to that topic. If I hear it frequently enough and there's an importance out there, I certainly want to respond. So please reach out to me at connie at whitmanasos.com. Of course, you can call me direct at 732. 732- or go to my website, Um, everything is on the website, all my blogs, all that kind of good information, and use me as as an information resource, I hope. It's www.wittmanasos.com. So those three um, avenues, you have direct access to me, uh, again, to share your stories, to share a topic. Even if you don't know an expert in that topic, like Kwa was kind enough to introduce me to Kim. I need to know what you want to hear about because this is your show. You know, yes, I, I hope I'm a catalyst to help you change, but I really want to make sure that I hit home every, with every show and, and keep the topics on target for you so you remain engaged, informed, and all of those things. Um, you know, I really am here always to help you, inspire you, and guide you. You know, feedback is always a beautiful thing on my end, so please reach out to me again at Connie. At I really do want to hear from you. I really do want to help. And I really do want us to grow together. I want this to be our platform, not just my platform. It's kind of lonely to work on things by yourself. So um, please share, really share. And at the end, I'm also going to give Kim's information. Because I bet a lot of you are saying, oof, maybe I should have a conversation um, to help or to better educate myself with my score. So I will share that at the end as well. So keep. I hope you you make Kim's phone ring off the hook. That would be an awesome, awesome thing. Okay, Kim. So back to back to our conversation. If you can just share some of those tips, and I think let's start. I think with the college kids. What do you think?
2: Well, I think the most important thing when we are talking about kids in college and young adults and even kids in high school, and I do some training and I do a seminar for parents of kids going to college um, so they can kind of understand that. But one of the most important issues, and we already spoke about it, is student loans. And there is a situation where a lot of young kids, have had poor role modeling mm. with regard to parents and just society. Society is very much into the lavishing spending in the now generation. We want it yeah. now and we don't necessarily want to work for it. Sure. Um, I have a lot of friends whose kids are graduated from college and they basically think they're gonna come out and get a hundred thousand dollar a year job. Yeah. They're having a rude awakening. And so basically the poor modeling of, you know, parents as well as society, having the now, I want it right now, and lavish spending and going all out, and then not really fully understanding the economic pressures of what it's like in terms of living in, in today's world and mm-hmm. having these student loans. So I think it's important for young people to learn money management skills and to understand about credit and Of that, they need to budget, 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 and budget, and they need to learn how to live with a little bit of money. When I was in college, I had three jobs, and that is true, and 15, I was carrying 15 credits. So... Mm You know, and I did it. Today, kids don't do that. They think it would be a chore to work so much and so on and so forth. So you've got to learn how to budget. They have to learn how to how to save. And they have to understand financial aid and what it means. Um, when I graduated from college, I didn't have – I had student loans, but I didn't have a lot of student loans because I worked and I did what, what was known then as work study. Sure. So I was able to, to not incur because I kind of had an idea – I didn't want to graduate with a lot of debt. Um, So I think that that is probably the most important thing in terms of of young people and credit, is they have to be credit-wise, they have to understand that you don't just grab every credit card that comes your way, that it's a killer. And I've seen a lot of young people wanting to file for bankruptcy because they have so much credit card debt because they don't understand that you don't make purchases and then just hold on to them. You have to make a purchase and pay it off. You don't use these cards to live off of and sort of, you know, throw caution to the wind. And you have to budget and stay within that budget. The worst thing I think that a lot of kids do today is they overspend, they accrue debt, and then they look for mom and dad to bail them out.
1: Sure. Sure. And, that, and that's, that's, a, that's, you know, that's probably a bad, bad situation. thing for a parent to do, right? Kim? Because then it's right. almost like you're enabling the child to do it all over again.
2: Well, that's pretty much what has happened and what is happening. And again, poor money management skills. Kids are not learning money management, and they don't quite really understand how it works. And it's it's, it's it. The effects are dire.
1: Yeah, and and I just. I'll share a humorous story. Um, my boys both play hockey. They're both goalies. And, you know, the equipment is very, very – hockey itself is expensive, right, the ice time and all of that. But the the equipment for goalie is ridiculous. So when they were little, you know, they would use the growth spurts and then the pads aren't protecting them and, and God forbid, of an injury – helmet, you know, outgrew a helmet you to save from concussions and all that. So you have to do safety first. So what I would do, I thank God I have a very, very big sale. And I would say to the kids, oh, you need a new stick. Oh, you need new pads. Better put that on your Christmas list. And I would do the shopping, certainly, because nobody would know what to buy. But everybody would reimburse. And that's what would be under, you know, if, if they needed new pads, which are very expensive, you know, the big pads in the front, Mm -hmm. Um, after everybody, aunts, uncles, great aunts, my mom, my dad, um, you know, the cousin gifts, everybody would pull their money and that would be the only thing, you know, under the tree. And then my husband and I would buy little video games, little things. And they were always happy with that. And this is the funny story. My, my kids knew if they wanted a stick, they had to save their money. So, you know, like at birthdays, you know, my mom and dad, my aunts and uncles, everybody would give a little, little bit of money and they'd save it. So when they knew they needed a new stick, and let's say the new stick, you could buy a stick for, you know, 60 bucks, right? No, they wanted the $100 sticks. Well, I'm not giving you a $100 because you could have the 50 or $60 stick. So they would save, and this one little boy once, they were 10 years old, Kim, 10 years old, and the little boy was at practice, and he had probably about a $250 stick, give or, give or take. So my son says to him, wow, he said, did you get that as a present, or are you a good saver? And the kid looked at him, and he goes, yeah, I saved for it. Like, like looking at my son, you idiot, I was there. Right? And the father was there looking at my son odd. And so I said to the dad, oh, in my house, to have a stick like that, they got it as a present, or they saved your money, because there's no way I'm paying a 10-year-old a $200 stick. That, to me, is illogical, you know. So driving home, my son said to me, ma, so-and-so, He's a good saver like me. And I said, yeah, that's great that he's safe for that stick. I never burst his bubble. <laughs> save for that. Because you know? <laughs> to me, I wanted my son to think, yes, everybody saves for that stick when they want that extra stick. They ask all their Valentine money, you know, that my mom gives them five or ten bucks. My kids would save, 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 and then purchase the, the equipment. And the other funny observation, and, and maybe you've experienced this, after they would get that new sticker, that new pad, you would think it was made of gold. God forbid I would touch it. No, Mom, it doesn't touch the ground because they bought it. They right. would take extra good care of it. Isn't that interesting? No, that's absolutely
2: true. It's, it's, and that is, I think, a good thing in terms of I have had a few parents that have gotten a secure credit card for their children where they put money on a card. Um, and giving it to the child. It has a certain amount. And they basically teach the child how to spend and how to basically manage credit. And that's a really great way to do it that way um, and make them pay the bill, even though it's a Absolutely. secured card, and really monitor it, it. And that's really a good way to teach uh, good money management skills.
1: Well, it's, it's funny you we were talking about that with my son going away. So one of his friends got a credit card. So I said, oh, that's good. And and, and see, do you pay it at the end of the month? He goes, no, my parents do. So I can account for my son. And he says, well, what about a credit card? And all they'll give him, obviously, because he has no credit, is a secured one. So he likes that idea. So says, you know what? When you go to college, we'll get you the secured one just in case of an emergency if you need it. But you're going to, like, if you want to go out to get something to eat and you don't want to use your money and you put it on the credit card, guess it's paying for that, <laughs> you know? So I, I, I agree. I think it's a nice way um, to give them exposure. But with a safety net. you know? Kim? Yes, yeah, say it again. I didn't I, didn't I, I said you. it's almost like giving them uh, you know that credit with the with the secure credit so they can't go crazy right with Right, a very exactly. small limit exactly. and hold them exactly. teach them so it's like it's like credit with a safety net
2: right exactly and that is
1: uh to me
2: i think that's fantastic for teenagers and young adults uh, unfortunately i have to use that a great deal with my clients to help yeah. them reestablish their credit so Uh, A lot of my clients who have had poor credit and they have no, quote, unquote, current credit, we have Mm -hmm. to get them secured credit cards. And, um, you know, I basically teach them how to use it. And, you know, and I have seen in 30 days I've had a gentleman go from zero, no credit scores at all on his credit report, but with a little tweaking, a little fixing, and two secured credit cards, he's now at 635
1: Wow. And that was,
2: in, that was in 30 days. But, you know, I basically wow. stay on top of my clients. And, yeah. you know, I do everything methodical and by the book and A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I don't play games. I don't cheat. I don't cut corners. I do everything above board and the right way so that I set up my clients long term on the right path so that they don't make their way back into debt or if they do find themselves faced with debt type of situation they pretty much will know what to do. But but for me, the goal is to not be in that situation going forward
1: um, for themselves as
2: well as as the children.
1: Great. It's a great tool, though, the secured credit cards. What a great tool. That's a great success story. Um, Awesome. Um, Why don't we take just a very brief break here, and then the last 15 minutes or so, um, I'd like you just to share tips that you think will be Uh, you know, relevant and helpful to the folks that are listening. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Okay.
0: It's a shame when you're feeling stuck in your business and you feel like you have nowhere to turn. It's a shame when you slog through long days in your business and you don't get any return. It's a shame when you feel like you can't see the forest for the trees and your business brings you to your knees. Einstein said repeating the same actions over and over won't produce different results. So stop feeling ashamed your business and you deserve better change that shame into righteous fame Connie Whitman can tame that shame Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates will help you to discover your new path and nothing will ever be the same Connie's tried and true one-on-one coaching sessions will tame that shame so you and your business will not continue in vain call Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates today at 732-888-1420 That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at com. Call Connie. Turn that shame into your game.
1: Okay, and we are back with Kimberly Montgomery, and we are talking about high finance. Okay, Kim, so the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes, just uh, share what you think are important tips that everybody could use. Well, the first thing I want to say
2: is I want to talk about mismanaging debt, and then I want to talk a little bit about money management, and then I want to talk about do's and don'ts of credit. Okay, cool. Okay? So the first, I think, the way people mismanage their debt, I think the first thing they do is they try to take one debt source to pay off another debt source. So it's like robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. And that kind of doesn't work for you because you never quite get out of. For example, I had a client who was using her credit card to pay her mortgage. Oh, my God. And we had to kind of have this whole sort of teaching session where I explained to her, you're kind of digging your hole even deeper because the credit cards have a much higher interest rate and they're revolving and they fluctuate and this is just not good. And people don't understand that. So that's number one. Number two, people tend to pay off little debts first as opposed to knocking out larger debts and or judgments. The judgments are the things that kill you. And when I deal with my clients, I we go over the credit reports, I break everything out, I lay everything out, and we go over every single thing. And I say, you know what? Let's try to tackle the judgments first because that's one thing that's gonna hit your credit score in a positive way once they're eliminated and taken care of and those means are removed. The next thing is people are unrealistic about their ability to pay off their debts. Um, it's very easy, just like, you know, that last, losing that last 10 pounds. It's very <laughs> easy to go to the board and gain that 20 pounds, but it is very hard to make that last, Ten pounds go away. It's 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 and it's the same thing with paying off your debt. It seems we can easily go out and get debt, but it is tough to sort of really refocus our thinking and saying, okay, we have to pay things off and not do this and not do that. And that's where the needs versus the want comes in. Um, The next thing is that a lot of people are. Um, paying the minimums, they pay, let's say they only have to pay $10 on their credit card. And what they don't understand is, depending on your interest rate, you may be paying $0.25 for every dollar that is sitting on that credit credit card for every month. So I always tell people, if you can pay it down as much as possible, keep your credit card balances 25% below the total limit. Okay, so if you have a $100 limit, keep your balance below $25 or mm-hmm. zero. The other thing is people try to go with without having any help. This is where someone like me comes in. If you know you have questions, if you need information, if you need someone to help you. I've had clients who have come to me because I work with a lot of mortgage people and so forth, and they'll say, oh, I can do this myself. And then I get a call about three weeks later where they're saying, you know what, this was insane, this was crazy, I really didn't know what I was doing, and I really do need some help. So it's not a bad word, but be leery of the people out there that aren't necessarily doing things the correct way. And you have to ask, ask questions, and you have to identify people who are legitimate with regard to credit. because so there's a lot of people out there that are not legitimate, And the other thing is people are very disorganized when it comes to debt. They don't know where their receipts are. They don't know what they paid. They don't know how this happened. And as a part of the disorganization, one thing I see uh, a lot now that I didn't see in the past was a lot of people have crossed the line of the cardinal no-no. And the cardinal no-no of budget, credit, finance, the whole gamut is co-signing. Co-signing has become one of the worst things that a person can do. I have had people who have co-signed for mortgages who have oh. destroyed themselves. I have had parents who co signed for student loans and they are left holding the bag. And I have had people that put people on their credit cards or allow them to be authorized users. On their credit cards, and their credit wow. history is destroyed. So, you have to be organized in what you're doing, and you have to really think through what it is that you are going to do in terms of your credit. And the cardinal rule is you cannot be responsible for other people, you and you alone must be responsible for your credit. And we have a whole other show we could do on people who are married and commingle their finances and that whole thing, but that's a whole other show. But I know, again, and and you, you and I know, spoke about
1: that, but I have to tell you, I really think that is another really important conversation. So, yes, if you'll agree to that, at, you know, maybe a, a couple of months based on your schedule, because if something happens to a partner, divorce premature death, um, right. what, what happened to that? Yeah, w- more to come. That one, more to come. Right, <laughs> right, absolutely. Okay,
2: now let's talk a little bit about when you go to get credit, when you go to, to buy something, what they're looking at when they look at your credit report and what is going to help you and what is going to hurt you. Number one, having 25 credit cards is not going to help you. Mm-hmm you only need maybe two to five credit cards. Hmm. You don't need 30, you don't need 40, because every single one of those cards, the limit is actually counted against you as debt. Hmm. So if you have a $10,000 limit, but maybe your balance is only $500, that $10,000 is counted against you as debt because they've Hmm. given you that credit limit. So when you go to purchase something, There's a little thing called debt-to-income ratio, and that is your debt cannot supersede your income by a certain percentage, and that is a formula that is used across the board in the industry. And a lot of people really don't understand debt-to-income ratios, but it can sink your ability to do some things. You could have a great salary. You could have everything, you get a great credit, but if your debt-to-income is off, you're going to pay either a lot of money for a mortgage or a car loan, or you're going to be turned down even though you have all the other quote unquote variables
1: what's the, the other, rule of thumb? what's hmm? the rule of thumb what do you mean like isn't it like thirty three percent your debt yes be, yes it, yes
2: you should have you should your debt to income should be between thirty and forty five percent depending on the other variables with the optimal being around thirty
1: thirty to thirty five percent.
2: Okay. Okay. That's um, all the
1: you, fixed. That's all that fixed uh your electric, your mortgage, your car payments, your gas, your tolls, all right. of those are fixed amounts. That should all right. equate to about thirty three, thirty five percent. Right. That's okay. a total.
2: Right. And the one thing that they do look at a lot is, is debt to income, is student loans and Student loans because they are perpetual debt, mm-hmm. and credit cards because they're fluctuating debt. So those two have major impacts on you. And then the third major impact is the any type of, of judgments that you have because those are always going to be enforceable via garnishment. And and then of course in the other other categories are bankruptcies and and, and a, you know bankruptcies and that kind of thing. So. If you can avoid bankruptcy, uh, please do not think of bankruptcy as a method to clear off your credit. A lot of people think that this is a go-to method. Many more people are filing for bankruptcy these days because oh. it's now being marketed as the way to go. But what oh. I have found is that it's just become a new way for attorneys to make money off of people.
1: So Really?
2: Um, they're not really telling people that. You know, your credit is ruined for seven to ten years. Um, They're not really telling people that if you put your property, your home, into the bankruptcy, that once it's discharged, you actually lose uh, your interest in the property. So you actually no longer own the property. You're renting your own house, uh, but it doesn't count against your credit. And that's one of the biggest ones I've run into with people contacting me to do loan modifications and to help them with their mortgages And then we find out that they filed for bankruptcy and included the Mm. property, and they no longer own the property. And I have to break the news to them that they're renting from the bank. So, you know, that doesn't go over well. And, again, it's it's education. It's your financial knowledge will dictate your behaviors. Um, So the other thing, the other two things that I think are important, I just want to stick these in, having a lot of inquiries in your credit report where you go and they, you're at Best Buy and they say, oh, get the Best Buy card. And you say, okay, I'll get the Best Buy card. And you know you have poor credit. That is what is known as a hard credit pool. A hard credit pool will ding your credit score. So the, the, the most inquiries you have, the greater chance that you're gonna have a lower credit score. And it'll say right in your credit report that one of the reasons why you have a lower score it's because you have too many inquiries over a certain period of time. So you should not go shopping for rates or go shopping around because it will hurt you. One of the biggest misnomers is when you go look for a car, if you have poor credit, your credit report will be pulled as many as 5 to 20 times because what happens is that dealership or wherever you go they're shopping your FICO to see who will finance you. So I've had oh, clients wow. say, "Wow, they're like they're like ten credit pools." Technically, technically, it only supposed supposedly counts for one credit pool. But I know if I'm issuing credit to somebody and I look at that and I see twenty credit pools on one day, eh? I don't know that I'm going to say, mm, I don't know," you know what I'm going to say. So that's just it's a still bit a of red flag, right? It's still a red flag. And so you know those are kind of the 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 debtness managements and then in terms of money management moving forward is you have to plan according to your income you need to plan ahead for at least 6 months mm-hmm. and include money for spending mm-hmm. you need to keep your records and keep them simple there's lots of online Programs you can purchase. I use Quicken personally, and it's fantastic. And you can keep everything right there that you need, from investments to everything right there on your home computer. You need to set aside money for emergencies because you never know what is going to happen. When you get paid every month or every week, you have to set aside at least 10% of of your income to just put aside in a fund. I always tell people, if you can put aside 250 to 300 dollars per pay period, then do that. Um, I also suggest that you review your plan uh, periodically to see you know retirement monies, kids going to school, health care, and all of these different variables are going to change your spending and your income and how you utilize your funds and your money, and when you may need credit going forward. And I always try to tell clients, if you know you're going to purchase a property or a major purchase, prepare yourself way in advance. Start working on your credit. Consider consolidating your credit cards. Mm -hmm. Uh, Look at, you know, what exactly is your monthly budget and what can your budget withstand. Um, Create a set budget and track all your spending. Create a written budget with all your expenses and stick to it. Deal with everything that you can possibly eliminate. So instead of having lunch out or coffee out, you can eliminate that. But figure out what it is that you can eliminate. Uh, spend less than you make. Use a automatic bill paying system with all your bills. That way you don't incur late fees and get dinged. Yeah, don't hide don't hide from your creditors. So if you have creditors, meet them head on, work out arrangements and that, that is what I help people do.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: whatever you do, contribute to your tax deferred retirement accounts on your job. <laughs> it's yeah, going to I... contribute as much as you possibly can.
1: It's funny because I, you know, I work with a lot of banks. They're my clients and I have a lot of young people coming through and oftentimes we talk about their investment department that they should refer. And I always say, you should have them review your portfolio in your 401k. It's a great education tool. Plus, you're making sure that you're putting in enough so that you, you meet the match that your company's making. And some of them go, what are you talking about? And I go, what? like, what? I said, oh, my God, you're leaving money on the table. That's like getting 100% return. So, you know, you get them motivated to go and figure it out. But when it's something foreign, I find that people put things – I don't understand it. Let's put it on ignore. Right, exactly. And that's dangerous.
2: Well, I think right. it's, it's, it's people don't – you know, again, people don't understand. Again, you know, as I had stated earlier in the conversation – you know, uh, one in three Americans uh, has tremendous debts and lates and all these other things. So that's a lot of people. And it is, you know, we're just in a time now where, again, I feel like there's just not enough consumer education that is going on. And I think people are strapped, and I think people are, you know, back to the wall, and, you know, there's just a level of desperation. And if there had... Is, was more information and more education, I think you wouldn't have so many people panic. Because I meet a yeah. lot of people who are panicked. And when I tell yeah. them, don't worry about it, we're going to work it out. And then we do work it out, they're like, wow, you know, you've been a lifesaver. Or you sure. really helped me. Or I wasn't sleeping. And now, you know, I'm, I'm stress free. And, you know, uh, quick, 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 quick story. Uh, I had a lady come to me and she was totally stressed out because she'd always paid her bills. She worked for a bank, and she was let go when the bank merged with someone, and she was let go after about, I think, 15 or 16 years. Wow. She didn't know what she was going to do. She had a hard time finding a job. She was single. She was, uh, her and her husband had broke up, and she had a house, and she was so afraid. This was the one purchase that she had saved and gotten, and she thought she was going to lose her home. And she was paying 1900 a month in mortgage, and someone gave her my business card and said, call this lady, she's going to help you with your mortgage. She called me. She was crying. She was upset. I met with her in person, and she said, "I don't sleep at night. I'm stressed out. They're going to come and break my door down and take my home." And within two months, she went from paying 1,900 to 1,200 a month for the rest of the life of her loan. Wow!
1: And so, see, just talking thrilled. to an expert sometimes is all we need to do. Because you have alternatives that the average bear just doesn't know about, right? Right, and it's it's a bit of a process, and it is a lot of
2: kind of bureaucracy and craziness mm-hmm. and that you have to navigate and mm-hmm. i'm not and I'm going to say that not every bank or collection agency or company or whatnot are kind to consumers when yeah. they get behind. so yeah. in some respects, there's not a lot of compassion, and so I kind of take that I kind of lift that off your shoulders.
0: So now yes. I'm
2: going to be your champion. I'm going to be sure. the person that's going to kind of lead the charge for you and take it off yeah. of your your head. And a lot of people, they're just so relieved that they have someone that they can trust. So yes. that's, that's big. An business, you must have trust and you must have somebody that you can rely, you know they're going to do what they say they're going to do. And that's,
1: Absolutely. you know,
2: all I have Absolutely. is my reputation and I stand by that.
1: Yes, and, and I, I can't believe it, but we, we've gone actually two minutes over because oh, no. we have so much to talk about. But that's, Kim, we have a lot to talk about. We're intelligent women. We want to share <laughs> ourselves <laughs> Just before we end, I want to give your information. If you found this helpful, please, please reach out uh, to Kim Direct. Her direct line is 917, area code three three four nine one two nine. You can email her directly at KM for Kimberly Montgomery, Montgomery KM at ACR, the number four, the letter U.com. So ACR4U.com. Or you can go to her website at www.acr4u.com. Uh, Kimberly, thank you again so much. We talked about, I want to do a quick recap for everybody, the needs versus wants and taking charge of finances, the importance of credit history, credit score, establishing and maintaining that good credit, and all of the financial goals. You gave us a bunch of financial, uh, few tips that we could actually use uh, in our everyday thinking. So thank you for all of that. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I hope you hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> I did, Connie, and I thank you so very, very much. Let's, let's hope that people out there um, come looking for answers and that you're able to help them. That would be just a beautiful thing. So thank well, you again. I, I do appreciate it. And if you just hang on for one more minute, um, I hope you will all join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change and realize that change is possible and easier than we think. Thank you again, Kim, my my awesome guest, um, and thank you all again for joining me. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host Connie Whitman, on WebTalkRadio.net. I look forward to seeing you all next week. Go challenge yourself, make some changes in your finances, so we all have 800 credits. For you. Um, thank you, Kim, and thank you all again. Have a great week.
0: And listening to the Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here.
1: Time.